Why hello there you. Before you get on and listen to this latest episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you have enough Myrtleade in your life? If the answer is no, did you know that you can get exclusive access to two whole previous seasons, dozens of exclusive episodes and a catalogue of minisodes? All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com forward slash Myrtleade spelt M-U-R-D-E-R-L-A-I-D-E and join our Patreon family. For as little as five bucks a month, you get more Myrtleade than your strange mind can handle. The more you pledge, the more you get. Seriously, guys, that is like a single cup of coffee per month and you help support me as a creator and you help keep this podcast an ad-free zone. Because, you know, there has to be one space in our lives that's ad-free. Okay, on with today's offering. Hello there, my dearest strange ones, and how are you all floating along this fine day? It's actually evening for me, and I am floating through my third beer, so let's get this party started before things get too messy. First up, fuck y'all, we're missing me. Hey, massive downloads on the last ep. Did you want me back in your life? Talk about podcast host meltdown. It was like 10,000 downloads in the first 24 hours, guys. Way too humble a lady. Second, we have the next epic round of shout-outs for the newest members of our Patreon Myrtleade family. So here's a big cyber hug, oh, COVID safe, of course, to Shashi Burn. Oh, I fucked that up. Let's go with Shashi Burney. You legend. Thanks for your support. Jane Kennedy. Hey, I totally hope you are the Jane Kennedy Aussie comedian of my childhood. That would make my fucking day. <laughs> Katrina Harbison. Rosie with no last name. What's up, girl? Beck Holland. Patricia Lees. Oh, let me talk to your sister, Joanne. No, just joking. Shit, that was totally insensitive. If you are related to Joanne Lees, Sorry for all the shit Australia gives her, man. But we, like, may totally think she's sus, dude. Wow, three beers feels like a lot right now. I am not holding my shit together. I may leave Patreon thanks for now and uh, try and catch up on some more next week when I'm a bit less lippy to those who pay the bills. Jokes aside, thank you all so much for your assistance. The show is now sustainable, which is like my first goal, and I've kicked it in the knackers thanks to you all. If you too would like me to pronounce your name wrong or insult you and get twice the murder laid in your life, head on over to Patreon where I can throw shit at you at a whole different level. That's at patreon.com forward slash murder and make your pledge. Join us there for more thrills and pissed podcasting. I just wrapped up a three-parter on Caroline Grills, the Aussie serial killing great granny 
that none of us will ever take a cup of tea at Nana's house again after listening to. This podcast contains graphic depictions of violence, salty language and poor grammar. If any of these things offend you, like Bowie once said, turn back. This is not the way. Before we get into it today, I need to give you an extra warning. This episode contains the most awful crimes against a child, committed by those who were meant to love and protect her. This is one for those who are triggered by abuse or neglect or violence towards children you maybe want to not listen to. If you get sensitive and emotional and choked up at times, well, frankly, that's good. We should all be so angry about Chloe Valentine's death. We should all be incensed and writing letters to lawmakers regarding the light sentencing and early release of child killers. I am here today for the sole purpose of making you feel as crazy and agitated and as angry as I am. When this all went down, I have been seething with anger ever since. Be warned though, some things you cannot unhear. The main source for today's episode is the official report of the inquest into the death of Chloe Lee Valentine, findings of the coroner on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. This is part two of the murder of Chloe Valentine, who was four years old at the time of her death. When we left off last week, Chloe was just six months old and her crack-heavy mother, Ashley, was having four-day drug benders and claiming to be a better mum as a result of it. Families essay uh, had told the Salvation Army, who were providing housing for Chloe and Ashley, that there was no indication that Chloe was in danger, despite multiple calls to the child abuse hotline with people concerned for the baby and the fact that they felt she was in danger. All caught up with this shit show, right? Let's push on. Hang on. I'm having so much trouble reading. I've just realised it's because I'm not wearing my glasses. Ah, better. (laughs) So I changed my mind about this episode. I was going to take you on this long and harrowing journey personally told about Chloe's four years of life. But I'm going to take you straight into this shit show of horror by going down a timeline of the reports made to the Department of Child Protection here in Adelaide known as Families SA. They have a child abuse hotline known as Carl. This is a chronological rundown of those who reported what was happening in Chloe's life. Chloe lived her entire life in squalid, rat-infested homes with her junkie mother and her father until they split. Then with a succession of Chloe's mother's boyfriends until the point of no return. There were also periods of homelessness in this little four-year-old Chloe. The point of no return was Ashley's boyfriend, Benjamin McPartland, an epic piece of shit. It seems he and Ashley were well suited to each other. They made Chloe's life a never-ending hell and those two would be the sole cause of Chloe's death. The inquest into her death found that four years and five months that Chloe had lived, she had the entire time been, quote, suffering from chronic neglect. The threshold for removal of imminent danger of harm was reached several times, and that, quote, family's essay approached each of these instances without references to those that preceded them. 
the general pattern of chronic neglect continued over a period of years. This is the list of notifications families essay had in regards to Chloe Valentine and to the life provided for her by Ashley Polkinghorn. In June 2007, the first report that pregnant Ashley was taking drugs while pregnant and not having antenatal care. In August 2007, one-month-old Chloe was reported as not being fed as her mum has claimed to have no cash for formula. At the end of August 2007, five separate people reported concerns in that one week for Chloe mainly with her mother having drug use in the home and the general condition of the home being a hovel and a party house. In March 2008, a reporter identified many drug users being in and out of the home. Rubbish piled everywhere, rats in the living room. Chloe is not even one. August 2008. Some concerned citizen called to say that Chloe was being neglected and she and Ashley were homeless. On the 28th of August 2008, a fucking cop called and put in an official paper report to Family's Essay to say that he had found one-year-old Chloe in the care of a 16-year-old boy, not her father, a stranger, in Civic Park while her mum was, quote, off somewhere to get off. In September 2002, two separate reports were made when Ashley moved in with a new man. There were several reports of violence and abuse that Chloe had witnessed in the home. One specific report was that Ashley was drunk and on drugs and that Chloe was very sick, losing hair, underweight and constantly vomiting. Ashley did not take her to get any medical treatment. So this one was loosely investigated by Family's essay. And at the inquest, the worker who investigated revealed that she knew that the man whom Ashley had moved in with was a convicted child sex offender, and she did not reveal that to Ashley. That's right, her fucking social worker now knew that Chloe's new semi-stepdad kind of guy, who her mum was shacked up with, was a bloody kitty fiddler, and they did fucking nothing. They didn't even tell Ashley because they were afraid it would be a breach of privacy. Well, sorry, sister, the coroner found otherwise, didn't he? <sighs> On the 10th of November 2008, Ashley was seen drunk in Civic Park. A reporter witnessed Chloe being given alcohol. Yes, she's too old enough to drink, according to this bumbling band of fuckwits and Ashley. Not that I want you to think that I'm withdrawing her from the group of fuckwits. On the 11th of November, 2008, yep, one whole single day later, another police officer reports Chloe as having been abandoned with a random 15-year-old girl in Glenelg. Two days later, that's on the 14th of November, nursing staff from the Women's and Children's Hospital reported that Chloe had been admitted with serious dehydration by a friend of Ashley's, but the mother herself did not present because she was elsewhere having fun. Ten days later, on the 24th, a different person reported that Chloe seemed seriously ill, looked pale, gaunt, dehydrated and lethargic. By the end of 2009, 
Ashley's father, Alan Polkinghorn, has had enough, and he and her mother, Belinda Valentine, begin a very serious effort to try and get Chloe off of her egg donor. This is the first report that Alan Polkinghorn makes about his granddaughter, and it's it's actually pretty fucking distressing. In essence, he says that Chloe has been neglected since birth. She is underfed and malnourished, skinny, dirty, and constantly smells. He says she's unsafe. Nothing is done. He pleads with Family's essay for he or his ex-wife to have their granddaughter, but it is clear from evidence in the inquest it was actually never considered by Family's essay to take Chloe and put her in safe hands. Sending her back to her drug-addicted, sex-working, neglectful asshole of a parent is less paperwork than withdrawing her from the custody of an abusive parent. Kate Wallace, who made the original reports about Chloe when she was just a baby, made another report that same day. Chloe was also not collected from a carer, so Chloe was in and out of other people's homes for a long time. There were people who took her for respite. She was in government-funded childcare five days a week without any out-of-pocket expense to Ashley because she was considered to be a child at risk. She would go home for days at a time with a volunteer carer who worked for another organisation through Family's Essay. But, um, and a lot of these people really loved Chloe. And there was no way for them to do anything except to report to Family's Essay. That was their only that was their only road to take. And they all took it <laughs> over and over. And nothing was done. In March, Alan Polkinghorn reported his daughter again. This time he said that Ashley was involved in a serious domestic violence incident, more specifically that her new boyfriend had seen fit to beat her while she was holding Chloe. In April there is a report of Ashley having days-long parties while Chloe is left in a darkened bedroom, neglected, starving and alone. In July 2009, an anonymous report of Ashley being drunk and Chloe looking dirty, skinny and small. In August 2009, there is another report of Chloe witnessing Ashley being beaten. In November 2009, there is a report of Chloe being seen out in the very small hours of the morning, underdressed, watching street fights. Just before Christmas in 2009, the skinny on Chloe is now this. Now the family's essay workers are concerned and they put an official report in that Ashley has pretty shitty mothering skills. Chloe's exposed to drugs, violence, and has been pulled from her childcare program that was the only thing giving Chloe some stability. And by the way, this childcare was not supposed to be optional. Ashley was required by Family's essay to take Chloe here, but she started refusing to. Ashley began leaving her child at everyone's house so she can go out and party. By May 2011, Reports become fucking unbelievable. Now anonymous people, I mean this sounds possibly like a John, called to say that Ashley was doing sex work with Chloe in the home. 
in July 2011, a social worker reports, and this is going to piss you off so much, that Ashley is exposing four-year-old Chloe to pornographic material, sex toys, and feeding her junk food. How did those three things make it in the same sentence? You know, like when you're eating Maccas with your kid and watching a little girl's gone wild and teaching her about dildos? Like, how the fuck was this allowed to escalate to this point? How are these supposed child advocates paid? I know they're probably underpaid, but what the fuck are you doing? This list does not include the reports from within the department. Like when Chloe was transported at two years old in the back of a taxi, unescorted to be returned by her social worker to Ashley. This is the incident when Ashley left baby Chloe in a park with a 15-year-old to go off and get pissed. Chloe was handed over by the police to Families SA and they sent her back to Ashley via a fucking taxi alone. The reason that they stated that they did not go with Chloe themselves is they openly admitted that the environment was hostile and they were not comfortable entering Ashley's home. So they put a defenceless baby in a taxi with a stranger. Yet they wouldn't go there themselves. But they chose to return a toddler there. Send her straight back into the lion's den. You're a fucking hero, lady. Now I have absolutely no qualifications in this area. But I'm a human. And I'm a mother. And I'm a fucking ratepayer. And a tax-paying citizen of this country. And this is how I see it. So if a mum is a messed up teen, that's your first red flag, right? If that messed up teen then becomes a junkie, it's a second red flag. Then there is reports of neglect and you see rats in the fucking lounge room. Third red flag, and that is all. At this point here, the third red flag, we the people, are we not able to expect that our paid government employees or act in accordance with their own policy. Are we not entitled to believe that this is where the best interest of a child should prevail? We tote this bullshit that every child is precious. But fuck, look how many adults are trying to intervene here. In this one case, over 40. Over 40 concerned Australians assessed Chloe to rightly be at risk. And you... Our fat, rich and lazy government sit on your collective asses and do nothing for this little girl but wait for her inevitable and ugly death. And how many others stand behind Chloe? How many make it out alive to be raised in this shit? To become child sex workers as this asshole was clearly grooming her four-year-old to be? To become addicts and drunks? How many are raised to eventually OD and die before 20? How many? Government? You keep those statistics so close to your chest, don't you? And then, when a child dies, like when Chloe died, we had politicians up in arms making weepy speeches and nothing fucking changes. We all go back to our lives. But these people... These some 40 people in this case who made reports of serious neglect and abuse 
about this poor little soul, about Chloe. These 40 people couldn't just go back to their lives because they will live haunted by the what if. What if I'd done more, said more? What if I just stole her and never gave her back? What if I had just killed Ashley and then Chloe would have lived? She would have had a life. She would have been someone. Her potential is forever unknown because the person who brought her into the world is the callous and soulless asshole who took her out of this world. And we do nothing. Now these reports are only those that went through the official hotline for concerned people to call. Belinda Valentine, Ashley's mother, is a whole nother timeline of what we just saw. Her distressing reports were made directly to a family's SA senior social worker as they had given her their direct line shortly after Chloe was born. Belinda Valentine's story is somehow even sadder than the collection of calls from friends, neighbours and strangers because it is so clear from her evidence in the inquest that Belinda still loves Ashley. But she wanted her granddaughter removed from Ashley's care. It is also clear that she did not approve in any way of Ashley's lifestyle or her supposed parenting. And that Ashley herself and Belinda's other children were not raised this way. She tried to help at every turn and ended up with a disrespectful junkie of a child and a grandchild's funeral. Nothing is actually sadder in this story than Belinda's side of this story. She put up with so much. She was attacked and abused by her own child. And then she was ignored and fobbed off by the people of our government who were supposed to help and support her. Her four and a half year battle to get safety for this child was ignored until it was too late. On the 20th of January 2012, Chloe Lee Valentine finally died. She had been somewhat under the care of the state since before her birth, but somehow they had managed to actually never help Chloe or to give her a voice. I will leave you here today with the words of the coroner. It is one of the most basic obligations of a government agency to comply with the legislation that it is required to administer. Families essay have undoubtedly failed Chloe in this task. Sleep with one eye open and call the cops on all your dodgy neighbours.
Hello again, it's me, and can I ask you a favour? If you liked this episode of Murderlaid or any previous episodes, please take a moment to rate and review. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or alternately, head on over to Facebook and rate the show at the Murderlaid the Podcast page. Every rate and review helps other strange ones find us and join the family. Oh yeah, and I totally mean that in a creepy Manson family or the Aussie cult, the family kind of way. Thanks for listening.